Hey there, guys. We just wanted to say thank you so much for tuning in today and supporting the podcast. And as a way to extend thanks to you, we want to offer you 15% off any product off my website, littlestfitness.com. That spans for my ebook, Endure, my nutrition guide and templates, my training guide, or my at-home PDF program. Whatever you've been eyeing up lately, we just want to say thank you and offer 15% off any single product of your purchase today. So be sure to use the code MESSYMIDDLEPOD, that's M-E-S-S-Y-M-I-D-D-L-E-P-O-D at checkout today as a way to support the podcast and as our way of saying thanks. This is Alyssa Lenick of Littlest Fitness. And I'm Kate, otherwise known as Coach Carmichael. We are PhD students, endurance athletes who lift, outdoors enthusiasts, and entrepreneurs. We believe the narrative of the fitness and wellness industry is often far too extreme. So forget about the black and white messages that you've heard. On this podcast, we believe that life is best lived in the messy middle. Hello there, everyone, and welcome to the first official real episode of the Messy Middle Podcast. We are so excited to have you here. If you didn't yet, I'm going to encourage you to go back and listen to our preview episode, which basically tells you the evolution and the dirty secrets and the story behind how Kate and I actually became friends and we got to know each other so you fully understand the two personalities that are coming together to deliver this message to you. So today, we want to set the foreground for the rest of our podcast. We want to sit down and explain to you what the freaking heck the messy middle even is. Why are we talking about this? Why does it even matter? And what the heck do we actually mean when we say the messy middle? For those of you who follow me, Alyssa, over on Instagram and Little Less Fitness, you guys know that I use this phrase all the time to talk about my ideologies and the, the ideas and thoughts and just how I go about talking about fitness, nutrition, business, life, everything, and in between. And so the messy middle kind of became a thing that me and my general circle of evidence-based friends used to talk about that gray spectrum in between of all of the nuisance between all of these topics. And so as this evolved, Kate and I were like, we need to sit down and create a platform to host these conversations. So we want to dive in today and really explain to you what the heck the messy middle actually means, what it means to live messy, and give you an idea of where we're coming from when we're talking about this, but most of all, how to apply this to your own critical and self-thinking in the conversations that we're having moving forward, but in all areas of life. Yes. And to give you a little bit of insight into our podcast format, we're also creating kind of a messy middle format here because we are not sticking to uh, you know, a strict one regular episode a week kind of schedule, we've got some weird stuff coming for you. So some of the episodes are just going to be me and Alyssa talking about whatever topic, you know, suits us that week. Um, and you're also going to hear shortly our personal stories. So Alyssa and how she lives in the messy middle, how I approach the messy middle in my own personal life. And we're also going to break down some ex-fizz for you and define what wellness means and how we like to take the woo-woo out of wellness. So those are going to be some of the episodes that just have me and Alyssa. We're also going to interview some amazing guests and we have a plan for Little List Rants and Coach Carmichael Chats, which are going to be mini segments where we just solo rant or chat at you about um, some of our favorite, most passionate topics that are best served in a brief mini format. So those are going to air occasionally. You'll hear the first ones really soon. I'm really excited for those. In terms of the people that we're going to be interviewing, we really want to centralize how they approach the messy middle. So whatever area of life, whether this is research, business, anything that they want to discuss, 
We're going to cover how they find their middle ground and what extreme messages they face in their industry or their lives and how they combat those. We really want to include a wide range of diverse guests that can bring perspective to areas Alyssa and I might be unfamiliar with, um, as well as some of the people that maybe we even have worked with before that still have different perspectives than us. Because we may not always agree with our guests and they might not agree with everything that we do. But the idea is that this platform serves conversations that are in the messy middle area, and these different perspectives can exist and still be not extreme, not polarizing, not telling you what to do, but just providing different ways of thinking about a a particular topic. The takeaway message from whatever you're hearing from us is that we want you to take what serves you out of these conversations. So if you're listening to something and you don't quite agree or you don't think it fits your life, there's room for that here. We wanted to develop this platform to have messy conversations that don't have a specific answer. Multiple people can be doing you know, different things and they can all be correct in this messy middle framework. So what we really, really want to emphasize here, guys, and you guys know me, Alyssa, Littlest Fitness, I am the queen of disclaimers. So this is our giant, messy middle podcast disclaimer for you moving forward is that it is not all or nothing. It is personal. And you're allowed to take in a personal approach, interpret things, and apply them to your personal life. We want to remind you that we don't know you. We don't know your life. So when we're talking about things, we're going to try to be as broad and as encompassing as possible, but we can't possibly know every single individual person's needs, situation, circumstance. And so always take and interpret these things and make it work for you and how it fits your life. And so I'm going to quite frankly come out and say it. Shit doesn't always apply to you. Not everything is for you. Not everything might serve you. And that's okay. Not everything is going to be for everyone. And if we have a podcast episode or a message that doesn't fit what works for you or something that you know just doesn't work for you, that is okay. You can fast forward. You can pause. You can listen to it and critique and criticize what we have to say. And that's what this platform is here to do. So look at where you agree with us or maybe where you don't agree with us and understand that there's other rationales and different perspectives to everything. Even when things are evidence-based, there's always things that are up for interpretation. So A great analogy we want to use for what the messy middle actually is and what it means to live in the gray is that it's not that we're saying life is black, white, and gray. It's that the black and white are the extremes, but everything in between is kind of like if you've worked with business or design or anything, there's the hex codes. And black is hashtag FFFFF and white white is hashtag 00000. I think I got those. It's the opposite. You guys got it. You guys got the point. But every code in between there has one little variation, but they're all in the middle. And that's what we're trying to get you to do is figure out what your own personal hex code for life actually is. So there's not a right or wrong answer. You can have a slight variation of the same color and it still be correct and still be beautiful and still be freaking awesome and quote unquote on brand. So keep that in mind when you're listening to these messages that you are allowed to figure out what single letter variation fits your life, what shade of gray you actually want to live in and how that actually applies to you and your personal circumstance that once again, we don't know. We're just two people and there's billion, jillions, hopefully of you listening out there. But for those of you listening is we want you to take these messages and gain the critical thinking skills to apply this knowledge to your own life and circumstance in a way that is as logical and evidence-based as it could possibly be, but in the variation that suits you best. And so some of you might be listening and wondering, how are the messages that we're presenting on the Messy Middle podcast different than the extremes that we seem to be fighting? 
First and foremost, when we're talking about these extreme polarizing messages, we really want to emphasize that a lot of these are not sustainable and healthy ways of living life. So when we are brushing up against messages that tell you to, you know, severely restrict your food groups or only do one form of exercise, we want to emphasize that context is important. And I think that that gets left out of these polarizing messages. So what might be healthy for one person and sustainable for one person is not necessarily sustainable and healthy for you. So when you hear our messages, we're not trying to tell you what to do or that one approach is healthy in all situations across all contexts. We're trying to help you learn to think for yourself and apply messages that you hear not just from us, but from other people to really evaluate them and say, is this something that will serve me? Or is this somebody just trying to get me to do their way of living, to purchase a product, to you know make their egos bigger? <laughs> Think about how these messages can apply to you or loved ones and where they don't apply. <laughs> and so the one thing we want to really highlight here is the personalization and the you have you have permission to make the choices for your health and you have permission to make the choices that define healthy for you. Now, of course there's going to be some things that are probably completely incorrect, right? There's going to be certain extreme ways of living that even if you made that personal choice for yourself, there is probably enough evidence to say, "Hey, it's probably not the best idea if you eat dirt for every meal every single day." But if you decide that like that's a really silly extreme, but like keep that in context when we're talking about some of these other things. But for the most part, good and bad don't exist. And this context that we want to do is to add clarity. So we want to provide you with what the most evidence-based truth we know in multiple fields and domains, but give you different interpretations of that. So you can realize that just having science and data doesn't always mean it's one type of application. There is no cut, copy, paste of the person next to you. And we want to encourage these conversations. And what you will see in the preview episode and episodes moving forward is that Kate and I both live in the messy middle and we both live very differently and have very similar but different approaches to the way we live. And within our own podcast, that exists. And we want you to know that that's beautiful and that it can exist for you as well. And so the next thing we really want to highlight as well, as you might be confused when we go through these things, is that in the messy middle, it's all messy. And we're going to talk about a bunch of topics, but all the things that Kate and I span in our life, we're going to talk about fitness and nutrition and wellness and academia and science and business and sport and all the things that we do that we know serve you guys best, all these broad range of topics. And we're going to bring them together and bring guests and conversations and talk about these ways that we apply this in our own personal lives because it's broad stroking and life isn't just one thing and you guys are not just one thing. So why not chat and talk and help you navigate it all? Yes. And before we move on to, you know, deep diving a little bit more into some of the topics that we're really passionate about sharing that messy middle approach with you, um, we have this this little game Melissa created. Um, it's called You Might Live in the Extremes If. And we have a couple of statements we want to take you through. And if any of these resonate with you, know that we're right there with you. Okay. We have lived in the extremes. We probably still have some areas of our life that are a little bit polarizing that we could also, you know, move towards the middle. So this isn't to knock you or say, you know, you're living in the extreme, so you're a bad person. Of course not. We all fall victim to this. We just really want to highlight some of the examples that we see on our platforms and Instagram or in real life that people kind of fall into these these pits that you kind of end up stuck in a situation, uh, a way of living 
that doesn't really fit you sustainably long term. So know that we are with you when we read these. We have been there. But if any of this speaks to you, know that the Messy Middle podcast is for you. We are going to help you uncover it all and dig you a trench in the middle. So you might live in the extremes if you went on a new fitness plan and then burnt out because it didn't fit your life. You might live in the extremes if you cut out an entire food group for an entire week before craving it and swan diving into a pile of cake over the weekend and then trying to start back over on Monday. You might live in the extremes if you constantly push, push, push and work and you never take a moment to pause, celebrate the wins, or just live your life outside of what you do. You might live in the extremes if you act a certain way, avoid certain things, or feel morally obligated to do certain things because they are or aren't feminine or masculine, and that doesn't fit the identity that you think needs to be put on you. You might live in the extremes if can't is a big part of your vocabulary. You might live in the extremes if you constantly are labeling certain foods as good or bad in your diet. You might live in the extremes if your Instagram feed is full of people shouting the exact same message, and when you hear an opposing view, you feel conflicted, maybe even angry, upset. You might live in the extremes if you think you can't combine different aspects of fitness like running and lifting or yoga and Pilates with strength training and anything in between and constantly think that you need to only do one modality of fitness and that's all you get to do. You might live in the extremes if you think that fitness is a certain look, a certain body type, or that that doesn't apply to you. And last but not least, you might live in the extremes if You don't think you can have more than one interest, hobby, aspect of your personality that you only get to be one-dimensional and that you don't get to be the badass, multidimensional person that you want to be. So if any of that really struck a chord with you, know that we are here to unpack it all on this podcast. And I know that some of you might be wondering, when we say the word evidence-based, as we have, you know, several times already in this episode, is this podcast evidence-based and what does that mean? And so when Kate and I talk, especially as two PhD students, and we're going to be interviewing a lot of people with advanced degrees, when we say evidence-based, we're talking about the things that the literature and the science and the research has shown us to be mostly true or the story that has told us so far. But the thing about science that is messy is that there's different interpretations of the same data. And so what one person might interpret, they might apply in two different ways. And you'll see this a lot in how Kate and I actually live our own lives and how we actually apply science to ourselves. And you will see that there's going to be a lot of similarities and overlap, but there is a lot of messy interpretation between scientists and in these fields and professionals. But we want to be able to talk about these things and have dialogue about these things in an open and transparent way where we discuss and acknowledge the overlap instead of constantly pointing fingers and saying the other person is wrong for their slight variation in that application as long as it's appropriately fitting in the context of what the literature has told us. Yes. And we know that research is not perfect. In fact, it is largely flawed. We can talk about some of the criticisms of literature, the pitfalls falls of research. And we can really dive into that on a whole separate episode. But for now, know that when we are talking about something that we want to give you as a tool to apply to your life, we are taking our own personal interpretation of the research that we have personally deep dove into. We're not going to have a guest on or talk about a topic where we don't feel like somebody on the podcast has a great understanding of the current field, what the best practices are in terms of evidence. That being said, some areas still don't have enough literature or support 
to really give a big conclusion. And there's a lot of messy interpretation in science that you'll see me and Alyssa, I know we go head to head on concurrent training and how to approach that. So sometimes there's not a big conclusion. Research doesn't have a perfect answer. So that's part of why it's messy. And that leaves room to talk about antidotes. And that leaves room to talk about, hey, this type of you know, wellness practice makes me feel good. So I engage in it. And it's not doing me any harm. So I engage in it. And on one more note, when it comes to evidence, when we talk about antidotes, we're talking about on an individual level, what you know to be true for you is true for you. But when we share what we know to be true for us, that doesn't always mean it's true for you. So we are going to talk about the evidence, the data, and the application, the best practices that we know. But when I say this is true for me, that doesn't necessarily mean that it is true for you when we're applying it to our own individual lives. That has to be up to the interpretation of you. That doesn't mean that you can say, I reject that. I deny that. I don't believe in that. But your variation of these best practices is okay. And it's largely, as Kate will talk about, a lot of this psychologically driven and how we work and function as humans. But that doesn't mean that you can just reject science because of your antidote. That means that you need the science probably explains what each of us is feeling and is probably all correct in some degrees or variations of that. But we never want you to think that when I say, hey, I'm Alyssa and this works for me, that that's going to 100% work for you because we are humans and we are way more complex than that. Beautifully said, Alyssa. Thank you. So we are going to take a quick break and then we are going to deep dive into a couple of the areas to give you a little snippet of what is to come in the messy middle. Welcome back to our first episode. We are going to take a moment now to just highlight some of the topics that we're going to be discussing in longer form, in entire episodes, in several episodes of one topic, I'm sure. And to give you just a little taste of where we kind of sit in our current views of the messy middle. So you, of course, know Alyssa and I are both PhD students in kinesiology, which means we cover everything under the sun of exercise. And Alyssa takes the the cake with the physiology, and I am in exercise psychology. So we really have a good balance here when we discuss exercise, both from what it does to your body and what it does to your mind. And so Alyssa and I have a lot to say on exercise. I will let her go ahead and lay down some of the, you know, foundational key elements that she wants you to know when we're talking about exercise on this podcast. All right there, everyone. So you guys, if you know me, Alyssa at Littlest Fitness, you know that I get really passionate about crappy messages around exercise in the field. And I think one thing that it's important to highlight is that most people don't agree on everything. There's a lot of little tiny variations of what people who are trained in this field and have advanced degrees or certifications agree on. But there are some underlying consensus of how things work that we're all like, yeah, that's that's pretty good. We should be doing that. And so we will definitely highlight and expand on those more. But one of the messy middle and messy topics that we all know that I'm really passionate about and love to rant about is the messages that women get when it comes to exercise. This idea that women only get and only should train a certain way and that they are so widely different than men that they have to train entirely different. They want to get lightweights and cardio and toning and like 100 reps, but two pound weights. And it's just a bunch of crap, right? And so there's this idea that women should train entirely different from men. But then there's also the idea that women are the same as men. And the truth is, it probably falls somewhere in between where women can do a lot of the same things that men are doing in the gym or in their fitness goals, whatever they may be. But they also can have slight variations in how we approach things and understand how their unique physiology works with regards to the menstrual cycle, birth control, and the pre and postnatal phases that are very important 
things that women undergo in their life and how we can modify training around that. And so it's not black and white in that women should train entirely different than men or women are exactly men, but there's a lot of in between and every single woman's experience is different. And so that's a great example of how we can get messy and make that fit and work for you because every woman's experience, especially when it comes to physiology, we know this is very, very different. And so another topic that you guys probably know if you follow Kate and I is that we both are multimodal in our fitness attempts and goals. And so you guys know I love to lift really heavy and do CrossFit and run ultra marathons. And Kate does triathlons and she strength trains on top of that. And she used to teach yoga. And we love to combine different modes of exercise. One, because evidence shows they're all pretty good for you. But two, because that's just what we enjoy. But a lot of the narrative in the fitness industry is that you can't combine more than one thing. Um, But while Kate and I both agree that you can combine more than one mode of exercise, the way in which we do this, we don't always actually 100% agree with. And I'm talking like we have sent scientific papers to each other back and forth that both support both of our views that have different variations of how we apply this knowledge in our own training in life. And we will talk about that more. And so when it comes to me, you guys know that I am, I pride and protect my strength training overall. And I don't ever want my running to, to complete my glycogen stores or burn my, me out or fatigue me before I do my resistance training session. So I'm always going to lift first or separate them out. McKay, on the other hand, she disagrees with me. Kate is not genetically as muscle hamstery as me. And so Kate is hanging on to what she likes to call the last bout effect. And we'll expand on this more in a bigger podcast platform where she believes that she wants any possible stimulus to increase muscle protein synthesis and help her build and maintain and create muscle as she possibly can. So she will never, ever, ever do her strength first. She will always do it last because she wants that to be the last signal in her pathways to her body. And those are both not necessarily incorrect things. There's literature to support both of those stances, but that's how we both apply the same thing to our training. And when we talk about concurrent training more often, because I know that's something my audience loves to discuss, you're going to see me say that there's a ton of different variations of varieties and how to do that. But that's a really great example of two things in this field that I'm really passionate about that people are going to give you absolutes on, but there's always going to be that shade of variation in between. And that actually could work for you in a different way that fits your life and your goals and your needs. And maybe just truly what works for you. We're all different people, right? But understanding that they're all coming from the same general body of understanding, but that application can be individual in nature. Yes. What a great example. And piggybacking off of the physiology chat, a lot of people um, may not realize too that I do have extensive graduate training in physiology. I'm not just a psychologist who came over to the exercise world. I'm kinesiology first, physiology first, and then I, I like to add psychology to things. So I'm adding psychology to this conversation because when we talk about different modalities of exercise, I think what gets lost in a lot of the the physiology, you know, chat is what you actually enjoy. And I know Liz highlighted this because she knows better, but a lot of physiologists will just tell you what's good for you in terms of fat burning, what's good for you in terms of increasing your aerobic capacity, what's good for you in terms of this physiological outcome. And I think sometimes the conversation gets caught up in what makes you faster, fitter, stronger, and leaves out what do you actually like to do? Because you're not going to stick to an exercise program that you would rather pull your teeth out than do, you know? So I think it's really important to highlight we chose the modalities of fitness that we do, the way that we train that we do, because we enjoy them. Like, If Alyssa hated lifting, 
I don't know how your page would exist. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, you know, if I didn't like to bike, swim, and run, I wouldn't be doing triathlons. So I think it's really important to note that when we talk about a certain modality of fitness, we might emphasize the physiological benefits. But if you don't enjoy it, don't fucking do it. And I think an important note here when you talk about different seasons of life and goals is there's going to be an optimal versus realistic, but sometimes there's going to be certain parts of your life where something might, you might have to make the optimal work for you if you have a specific goal. If you don't enjoy running, but you want to run an ultra marathon, aka me, I hate training for those things, but I have to run. That I, I cannot get around the fact that I'm going to have to run to do those things. There's not like an option of where I'm like, well, I don't enjoy this and this isn't enjoyable for me, but my goal to me matters more in the long run so that I have to lean towards that optimal choice. So this isn't you just saying, well, I'm going to deadlift 400 pounds, but never train for strength in the gym. You have to find that middle ground and how to get those goals that you have while also looking at what is the most optimal for you. But also a lot of physiology and trainers are going to say you need to be so concrete and strict in these things and that there's no looseness to achieving their goals. And there's absolutely looseness to achieving the goals unless you're once again, at those very extreme end ranges. Exactly. And I think that, you know, my first coach, Carmichael Chat, we are actually going to talk about the process versus outcome approach and exercise. But there is something to be said about when you have certain fitness goals, it's important to know that sometimes the process can be messy. But if you learn to fall in love with the process, that that is going to yield the results that you want without you even realizing it. And I'll save all of that for Coach Carmichael chat number one. So tune in if you're more interested in this process-based approach. But Alyssa, if you've gotten out a little bit on exercise, I think it's time to segue into your, your other highly ranted topic, nutrition. So for those of you who maybe are finding me through Kate or somewhere else, I study exercise and metabolism, and so I actually learn a lot. So where Kate cross-dabbles in psychology, I cross-dabble in nutrition. So we overlap in that exercise niche. If we were a big Venn diagram, um, I would be the nutrition with the exercise, and she's the exercise in psychology, and it's this beautiful marriage, and that's why this podcast is good today. <laughs> and so I hate, 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 because for some reason, nutrition is the most polarizing topic in all of it, of all of social media, the world. And I think a lot of it ties into the fact that we all have to put food into our pie holes. We all have to feed our bodies. We all have to nourish our organ sacs. And so because of this, everyone thinks that they know how to feed everyone and that how they eat applies to everyone or their one diet ideology applies to everyone. And so something that I absolutely don't agree with is that all diets are incorrect or all diets are correct. And so you guys will see me when we talk about maybe more extreme diets um, in the field, or specific diets, I don't necessarily agree with them. I agree, I disagree with certain applications or broad stroking um, public wide applications as people think that they can make and state about these things. And so we talk about a lot of restrictive and specific diets. And so if you guys are listening to this, if you follow me on my page, you've probably slid into my DMs or my question box at some point in time and said, what do you think about fasting? What do you think about keto? What do you think about intuitive eating? What do you think about if it fits your macros? What do you think about list every single diet and type of eating that you can possibly do that we need to label because we feel morally obligated to belong to a camp diet here, right? And so a lot of these can be restrictive 
or to some people liberating. And some of these can be very specific and you might need to follow something specific because you have certain dietary needs or medical conditions, but they can also be really, really like misinterpreted or applied in a totally incorrect way because someone thinks that they can tell you how to feed yourself or what works best for your body in a non-medical based setting just because they think they can tell you to do so. And so a lot of the information that you get online, which is where I'm assuming you're consuming most of your information, something your aunt Karen shared on Facebook or uh, <laughs> Tiffany shared on Instagram telling you how you have to feed yourself and you think, oh, this person said this, so I have to do this. Or you feel a little bit of fear behind that. We talk a lot about that in future episodes about like that, how to interpret these messages and how to go along that. And that's going to be a little bit of some of my first littlest rants. And something that really irks me is the black and white extremes on social media that re- to talk about the way metabolism and just our bodies work and fat loss, weight gain, muscle gain, all these things work and talks about things in a lot of really big absolutes. And sometimes those are helpful to help you guys understand things in the most simplified terms. So an example of this is a lot of people really oversimplify nutrition to it's just calories in, calories out, which is great. That isn't true. Our bodies do work and are regulated by thermodynamics. So when people say you need to be in a calorie deficit, they're not actually lying. That is factual, but the application to that or the conversation around that needs to go beyond that when you're actually talking about individual humans. And that's where the variation comes in. So for one person, getting in a calorie deficit might be intermittent fasting. Or maybe someone just doesn't have an appetite in the mornings and they don't want to eat right away, but that doesn't need to be called intermittent fasting. It doesn't need to actually be a thing. Some people may love a higher fat diet and a lower carb diet. and It might work really well for them or help them with appetite control, or they just might feel good where someone else might feel like absolute trash and garbage on that. Some people don't even need to be in calorie deficits. Our whole life goal is not to live in a calorie deficit 24-7, even though we're constantly being shoved at that. You can track your food or not track your food and still be a perfectly healthy person, and your body can exist in degrees and variations of some standard weight that your body likes to be at and still be perfectly healthy and fine. There's so much more nuisance to these conversations than people are having and they're all having these little isolated pocket conversations and telling you that their camp is right and you need to pitch your tent right there and belong with them and it's really it feels really enticing because you want to belong to something you want to know something is right and you just want to figure out what the heck works for you but by doing that you're ignoring yourself and your messy individual physiology and finding again that slight variation in your personal hex code and so you'll hear me talk about how my approach to dieting is a intuitive macro conscious high protein slightly fasting, high carb diet, right? All of these things that apply, but really I just feed myself in a way that I know helps me feel good in my performance, my energy, my digestion. And that 100% works for me. Katie eats different than me. My boyfriend eats different than me. And you probably eat different from me. And they can all be healthy within certain degrees and general rules that we understand about human nutrition and not be wrong. And so that is my nutrition rant. And you guys will hear me talk about this all the time, but we're also going to have some amazing guests who are more well-trained in specific niches of this field to bring insight and honestly have those conversations that talk about the full spectrum of people who are their intuitive eating versus macro tracking versus keto versus fasting. Like we want to host these conversations so you can understand the science behind how these things actually work and why people even have these beliefs to begin with. When we talk about how to feed your body and how to move your body, I like to place that all under the umbrella of wellness. And we are going to dive into wellness on episode number four. So look out for that because I think it is going to share with you the entire perspective of why we even include the word wellness in the intro of this podcast. And without going too far into it, saving the good stuff for episode number four, I do want to touch a little bit on sleep, of course, because if you come from my page, you know that we talk a lot about sleep. And this is considered a wellness practice because it helps restore, rejuvenate, bring you back to life every day. 
And I think what gets missed on even my page, what's hard to communicate on Instagram, I give you a lot of tips like try not to drink alcohol too close before bed, try to limit afternoon caffeine, make sure the lights are dim, put away your tech. And that can seem really overwhelming and really restrictive to a lot of people. And I want to frame this for you that it is not an all or none. You do not have to have every single sleep hygiene practice nailed down to the ground to have good sleep. And we are going to deep dive on sleep in, I'm sure, several episodes to give you more context to what it looks like to be a healthy sleeper and how you can achieve that without, you know, completely uprooting your life. Sleep hygiene is individual. Just like all of the recommendations we make on this podcast, there are certain things that are going to work for you a little bit better than they work for Susan next door. Alyssa and I also have slightly different approaches to sleep. And guess what? We both really prioritize sleep. And guess what? We are both healthy sleepers. So I just want to encourage you that there is a messy middle approach to sleep too. Even if you haven't really seen it highlighted on my page, this platform exists to help me, you know, uncover the nuance there for you a little bit. Another area of wellness that we are definitely going to be talking about, of course, is mental health. And from a kinesiology perspective, we of course are going to dive into how movement is important for your mental health outside of the amazing benefits for your physical body. And we want to talk about how we can approach exercise and nutrition in healthy and sustainable ways. But this conversation around mental health does not just exist in the context of exercise for me or for Alyssa. And we of course, as regular people (laughs) want to talk about how we form habits or what I like to call wellness practices that make us healthier and happier versions of ourselves. I want to chat about how we can foster healthy mindsets and use mindfulness techniques because I think our planet is so starved from reality. Mindfulness is what I would like to call the messy middle of mental health because I think so many of us facing anxiety in particular, we're stuck in the future, worrying, anticipating, you know, dealing with uncertainty, or we're looking at the past and we're really beating ourselves up over mistakes that we've made or things that we just wish we could redo. But mindfulness is all about being in the middle, in the here and now. And that's something I really want to bring to you guys as a tool for your mental health. And so we will definitely cover that on this podcast. When we talk about all these wellness practices and we give examples of our own lives and what works for us, this is again a reminder to see what serves you just because some of these things aren't going to have a lot of heavy you know, literature or evidence for because they just haven't really been investigated. And it's important to note that Just because the evidence isn't there yet doesn't mean that there is not evidence for it. And on the other hand, just because there's no evidence doesn't mean that you can make up data and use antidotes to suggest that other people should live the way that you personally do. Which brings us to our next topic of conversation. Liz and I are both PhD students. We're heavily involved in academia. We read research. We want to communicate it to you guys because we firmly believe that research without application is kind of a waste of everyone's time. And so, yes, guys, you know that on both of our platforms, we are both very, very passionate about communicating the science that we love and we've decided to dedicate a whole decade of our lives to. And so I I personally believe one of my my moral pillars of Littlest Fitness is that the information I have is not for me and me alone. It's my duty 
from having this information and the ability and the access to this information to share that with others. And so scientific communication is not an easy skill. It's very, very messy and hard because the way that Kate and I will converse about science and maybe our own personal conversations, but especially when we're in lab meetings or journal clubs or classes or you know, all these these loopholes that we have to go through to get our PhD, the way we're communicating science there looks very, very different than how we're going to communicate it to you. And so we're hoping to create a space and a platform where we can actually take what we know and turn it into the application of our audience. And plenty of the guests that we're going to have on and many of our friends in our circle are amazing at this, especially when you talk about this like psychological aspect that Kate talks about, because we love the physiology and the nitty gritty. And I can tell you the perfect X, Y, and Z ways to do things. But the application to humans, which, which I always tell my clients is you're not food and exercise robots matters the most. So our goal here is to communicate the science in a way that one, you feel empowered to actually understand what the heck we're talking about. Because I don't think you're stupid because you're not stupid. And I'm going to talk about that in my first little with Brand. So make sure you tune into that because you're not stupid and you can understand these difficult topics. But it is our job as scientists and communicators to put that on a level that you can actually understand that and know what's going on in that. And so when we actually talk as well as about academia and science, the application of these things, that there's going to be research that doesn't necessarily serve all populations. and There's not a ton of info on. And so a great example of that, which I talked about earlier as well, is that there's populations that we don't have a ton of concrete data on. And so a lot of research is done in dudes. That's just how it is in our field, especially metabolism or in physiology in general, because women are complicated, right? How dare we be different than men? And so there's not a ton of concrete data that always tells us perfectly what we should do, but we can use what we know to apply it in the best way possible to you guys, even filling with like translating the gaps in the data and what that actually means and what we do and do not know. And so the last thing we want to acknowledge and talk about when we talk about academia and industry application is also that transition of working in a scientific place and maybe possibly moving beyond that or staying in there but communicating beyond that. So not only does this apply to scientific communication with the general population, but for those of you who a lot of our audience are also people who are getting undergraduate degrees or graduate degrees in fields similar to ours or science in general and do research, and you don't really know, one, how to communicate that with other people, but what it looks like or the opportunities that you have to move beyond that in your own personal career and lives. What does it look like to work in academia versus industry or honestly run your own business? For you guys, you know that me, Alyssa, I am getting my PhD in graduate school, and I'm a lot more leaning towards staying in an academic position because I do love research. I love mentoring. I love teaching. I love all those things. They're all aspects that give me fulfillment. And I get to do that also in my platform on Instagram and with my clients and coaching. And so those all fulfill the needs that I need in my own personal you know, de desires for my life and my career. And there's a lot of things that I've learned, honestly, in starting and creating and growing a business that one, it's really interesting is that all the skills that I gained from science also have applied to business as well. And I learned a lot about how to run a business by learning how to run a research project, which shows you how overlapping and messy these things can actually be. But when it comes to running your business, we're going to bring on some guests that are probably a little more knowledgeable in this. But I think that I've earned my spot of saying that I know a thing or two about this by now, and that there's a lot of information that you're going to get on Instagram where the IG pros are going to tell you certain things about how to grow your Instagram or how to grow your business or you need to do X, Y, and Z. And just like all the Fitspo's regurgitating their their exercise plan to you in a pretty pink PDF and making you pay for it because it's what worked for them, a lot of these newfound quote-unquote business coaches are doing the same thing for you. They're telling you and selling you how they grew their business instead of helping you find the individual application how that works for you. So they're going to tell you things that you need to pick your audience instead of figuring out what your actual niche is and what's organic and who's drawn to you. And they're going to tell you to copy these post styles or this way of talking or this way of showing up in your feed or for your audience or for your clients. And it might not 
not actually sit and fit comfortably with you. And so a great example of this is the way Kate and I both run our social media platforms. I give Kate social media advice and she'll look at me and be like, yeah, I can't do that. That doesn't work for me. Or sometimes I'll tell her something and I'm going to have to be like, well, you're going to have to suck it up and you're going to have to show up that way in your platform. And so these things are, they have to be individual. It's not cut, copy and paste. You cannot be the identical same thing as the next person next to you. You need to be interesting. What you just said about building a business in a way that speaks to you, that feels right for you, is really about authenticity. And I think that is the key word to our entire fucking podcast because we want to have authentic conversations about how you can live a life that serves you personally, which is going to be nuanced, which is going to be messy. You might have even heard a couple things that me and Alyssa said and have already been confused about how they coexist. And what we really just want to bring to you is that life does not exist in black and white bubbles. There is context needed for every single thing, which is why you will never hear Alyssa and I answer the question point blank, is X, Y, or Z good for you? You know our favorite thing to say? It depends. A good example when this comes to your own personal business and brand, and this is building on Kate, and since mine is a little bit more established, and you guys probably know me for that, is that authenticity is so important for me that me and Kate were talking about this yesterday, that it physically pains me to be inauthentic or lie or not be myself. And sometimes it's not the best thing. It's not the best character trait, but it's something that's really, really important to me and my brand, and I had to build it in there. I couldn't be fake. I couldn't try to pretend that I wasn't something that I wasn't, and I can't do anything that doesn't align with who I am as a person because it just – I. I can't. It doesn't align with my personality and I didn't want it to be a part of my brand. And you have that choice to live authentically too. And I think when it comes to all these messy middle conversations and everything we talked about here today from fitness to science and health is that you have a say in how you authentically want to live and talk about and integrate these things into your life. Authenticism is something that is important for me and my brand, but Kate as well and this entire podcast as a whole. And if we give you anything from these conversations, it's to live more authentically with us here in the messy middle. So we hope that you stuck with us through all the winding twists and turns that we covered here today. Moving forward, we have a bunch of great episodes for you that really lay the foundation of how Alyssa lives in the messy middle, how I live in the messy middle, and what wellness really means. We're also going to give you a little dive into exercise physiology. Fun fact. Alyssa and I both taught exercise physiology labs. And so we're going to give you basically what we give our students in a crash course format. So that way, whenever we talk about anything nitty gritty in the science of exercise physiology, you have something great to refer back to. Thank you so much for listening to our very first episode of the Messy Middle podcast. Please go ahead and subscribe, download this episode, rate and review. Remember, we are going to pick one reviewer of the week on Instagram. Anything from the little list ebook line could be yours if you include your Instagram handle in your review or screenshot it and send it to at the Messy Middle Podcast on Instagram. Your support means so much to us, whether it's just a rate or review, or you can donate a coffee that helps support production of this podcast. Remember, we want you to live well, demand better, and and stay stay messy. messy.